Welcome to Navigating Your Child's Education, a podcast for parents, grandparents, and anyone raising or influencing young people. I'm your host, Laura. On this episode, we have distinguished guest, Dr. Virginia Clinton Lassell. Dr. Clinton Lassell currently serves as Associate Professor of Education, Health, and Behavior at the University of North Dakota. She holds a PhD in Educational Psychology with a minor in Cognitive Science from the University of Minnesota, where she was trained in educational research. She's published over 20 articles in education research and teaches courses in education research and program evaluation. Her current research focuses on the psychology of reading comprehension, open educational resources, and student attitudes towards active learning. Dr. Clint Lazell, thank you so much for joining us and sharing some of your expertise. Thank you for having me. Now, I would like to talk to you today about paper-based reading compared to screen-based reading. And I know you've done a lot of research in that. Yes, I have. Now, this probably makes me a little bit old school, but I much prefer reading something paper-based over anything screen-based. Do you think that this is a generational sort of phenomenon? You know, oddly, no. If you look at research findings, in general, people prefer reading from paper. And if you look at generational differences, you really don't see that there, that preference is any different, um, depending on the age of the participant or the age of the reader. Um, if anything, you'll find that oftentimes elderly adults will talk about preferences for devices such as Kindles because they can adjust the visual acuity and there's other features that can help them um, as their uh, sensory information becomes problematic in later adulthood. But I know that my students generally prefer paper and uh, my kids are, they, they like paper and screens, but if they had a choice, they would, they would choose paper. I find that fascinating. You know, I guess regardless of preference, it seems like a lot of us have been thrown into a world where there is so much digital screen-based reading, especially in the last couple of years with education just kind of becoming virtual on a lot of levels. Uh, I wonder, my natural inclination is to say, well, paper-based reading must be better. It must be more effective. There must be higher comprehension. But what does the research say about this? Well, if you look overall and just have completely equivalent, you know, the same text, you know, being read on a screen versus being read on paper, you do see on average better comprehension from paper than from screens. But there's a few qualifiers there. One is if there's time pressure, that seems to matter. So if students know they only have a certain amount of time to read, um, then a screen seems to be more problematic. Uh, another is the genre of what you're reading. So if you're reading narrative fiction, there's no noticeable difference between paper and screens. But if you're reading expository nonfiction, there tends to be a difference. One of the reasons that are offered for why this might be is that when you're reading from paper, we have this idea if it's paper, it's serious. Like it's something that you really need to focus on and really pay attention to. And a lot of times when we're reading fiction, I mean, not always, but usually it's for fun. You know, it's leisure reading. So the screen aligns with that idea of what a screen is for. But if we're reading expository nonfiction, it's usually studying, like you're trying to learn something new. And with that, it, 
there's this idea that there's a contrast between reading from a screen, which isn't supposed to be serious, and then trying to read some serious material. Um, so those seem to be kind of the bigger issues that are going on. We, uh, as far as like the age of the reader, surprisingly, we really don't see a difference. If wow. it's a child or an adult. Yeah, I expected to too, so. Uh, and then going back to what you said about that rapid shift to virtual, you know, I, I know that my children started reading a lot more online when quarantine happened just because it was an easy way to get access to books. And they also, they had a lot of free time and they wanted to be on screen. So I was like, well, let's have them reading. So, uh, and that's a good thing. I mean, reading from a screen is not a bad thing. It's still reading. It's good for your kids. It's good for their brains. And it's good for your brain too to read. But, um, you know, I was doing a study with college students and about two thirds of the way through, we had to suddenly stop because of COVID. Uh, there was a temporary moratorium on any face-to-face -face research on my campus as was the case pretty much everywhere. And then five, six months later, it opened up again and I started running participants again. And what I found is that students reported similar preferences for paper, but they were studying a lot more from screens. So even though they were using screens more, they still preferred paper overwhelmingly. And what I found particularly interesting is that when you looked at their mind wandering, if they, if looking at the students who were in the study before the rapid pivot to virtual learning due to COVID, there was really no difference in mind wandering between paper and screens. But after that rapid shift, there was a pretty noticeable difference where students were having a harder time focusing. They were reporting a lot more mind wandering, reading from screens um, after that rapid virtual shift. But their mind wandering reading from paper was pretty similar to the participants before COVID. So if you take that all together, what that tells us, and granted, I mean, there's only so much you can extrapolate because this isn't controlled. I couldn't, it was a naturally occurring phenomenon. It's not something that, you know, we can really control for any factor. But when you take all those pieces together, students are reading from screens more, studying from screens more, but having a harder time focusing on it. So if this continues to be a problem, uh, you know, thinking about things like techno stress and just being overwhelmed by screens, that's going to be showing some difficulty with learning. What an interesting phenomenon. Like you said, it was like this naturally occurring disruption, but for you, that must have created some really interesting data. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, at first I, I was mostly looking at my findings and I was confused why I wasn't seeing what I expected to see, which was a comprehension benefit of paper over screens. Um, and it could be that students are getting more strategic and even with the additional mind wandering, even with the additional mind wandering, students were able to know how to read from a screen well enough to not have any of those problems. So there is some evidence that as time goes on, we're getting better at reading from screens. The other thing that I think is really promising as far as reading, it from digital devices is looking at tools the digital devices can have. So in the study I did, 
um, the paper and the screen have been the same, but a screen can have certain tools the paper can't. You know, you can do things like collaborative annotation. Obviously, you can make notes on paper. People have been doing that for a very, very long time. But now there are tools where students can actually share their notes together. They can share their highlighting. They can have social collaboration. And this is a really nice feature in online classes where students can get to interact you know, with the text. Uh, another tools are you can have embedded questions in the reading and then um, if they get it wrong, they are sent back to the part where that information is. So to prompt them to reread, think about it again, and then answer that. So digital devices can provide immediate feedback. Now, obviously paper, you can have a quiz of some sort and you can have them look up the answers, but um, one, it's always tempting to just look up the answers rather than, <laughs> than to really try first, because I know I did that when I was a kid. Um, the other thing is that immediate feedback, you know, not waiting to get your grade back a week later. You can get it immediately to see how well you're reading. And I did an analysis of studies that looked at those kinds of tools, and I found a remarkable benefit of those tools. And it really didn't matter if the comparison was on paper or if it was like a flat PDF on screen. Having those interactive features were enormously beneficial for learning, um, much more beneficial than the average effect for paper that I had noted before. So I think as far as thinking of the future and what we want to provide for our kids and what we want to provide for students in general, thinking of how to have those digital tools be used to really take advantage of screens is, you know, where the promise is, rather than like, Let's go back to all paper, throw out your Kindle, <laughs> because that's not going to happen. Schools have invested a lot of money in digital libraries, and there's a huge benefit to them. I mean, I get an email every day telling me how much my daughter read on Epic, and it's not a small amount. And she loves just having that library of books right there. Yeah, it does seem like there are a lot of benefits that e-text can bring. And I know that textbook publishers are, are attempting to make this massive shift towards it. It just makes a lot of sense on a, on a lot of levels. I guess one of my concerns is, you know, I have my kids are young, so they're just starting to enter formal schooling. And when I think about how much screen time they might have at school, either through a reading program that's helping my daughter or, um, like you said, those e-readers, for me, I guess I just feel kind of concerned. But after looking through some of your research and listening to what you're saying, do you think there's less cause for concern? I would definitely say there's less cause for concern. You know, my mom had me watch Sesame Street so she could make dinner. Yeah, there's there's all these different ways that we've used screens for educational opportunities. And they are a good way to get teaching and learning materials disseminated um, at lower cost than getting all of that paper out. You can also have them be adaptive. You know, you can have kids, uh, like my daughter does reading eggs online, where you take a, you know, you take an assessment and then you get lessons at your level. Obviously this is what any good teacher does in the classroom, 
But being able to have the additional practice or the additional challenge at home is really beneficial. Hi, parents. I just want to take a minute and let you know about a free guide to paying for a private Christian education. Perhaps you're curious about sending your children to Worthington Christian School, but assume the cost is prohibitive. Before you rule it out, I encourage you to check out worthingtonchristian.com forward slash afford WC to download a free guide to our financial aid program, 529 accounts, Ohio's Ed Choice Scholarship Program, and more. That's worthingtonchristian.com forward slash afford WC. Now back to our show. What are some other ways that the, the research that you've looked into impacts parents that are raising young readers? I would definitely say that, you know, if your kid is reading, that's a good thing. You want to encourage leisure reading. And if a way or a way to make it more enticing is to have it be on a screen, then by all means, have it on a screen. It's There's practice reading those those minutes those hours spent reading is going to be hugely beneficial um whether it's um on a paper you know paper book or on a screen you know also now that a lot of restrictions have been lifted being able to do things like take them to the library for story times and take them places where they can be around real life people in print rich literacy building environments is also good if you're worried that they're just like spending too much time alone on their digital device does the type of screen in any way impact reading comprehension or the way that our brain process brains process the information Well, there is some evidence that screen size makes a difference. So if you're reading from a smartphone, you can only see so much text at a time. Whereas if you're reading from a tablet um, or a laptop or a computer screen, you're seeing as much text as you normally would in a book. Uh, That does make a difference. Because one thing we do as we become more and more skilled at reading is we automatically look back to previously read text to make connections. And if you're, you can um, have this noted if you have somebody's eye movements recorded while they're reading. And if they're a proficient reader, they won't even be aware that they made those look backs because they're so quick and your brain's just doing a quick check based on its memory of the surface structure of the text or you know what the exact words and sentences and the appearance of the text was. If you have a smartphone or if you have a device where you're only seeing some of the text, this becomes more problematic because there just isn't as much text for you to look back to. There's not a ton of research on that, but it does seem pretty straightforward that cognitive load wise, only having that little bit of a text at a time and constantly having to change and you know update your, your mental image of what the text looks like that is going to be less efficient for reading than having a larger device where you can see all of the text. And you've probably noticed that as as well. Like if you've ever been on your phone and you're trying to like zoom something out and you're trying to find information, it can be a lot more difficult, especially if something isn't formatted correctly for a phone. So I would say that's probably the the biggest difference. Um, There is 
some evidence, although it's not robust, that something like a tablet where you're holding it more like a book is going to have more of a similar reading experience to a physical book as opposed to reading from a laptop screen or computer screen. Now, you made me think of something like with my teacher hat on. In my classroom, I'm trying to incorporate more of um, the students having some things on paper and also some things on the screen. So they might be reading something on paper Mm -hmm. and then answering questions on a screen. Do students' brains... Um, is that too much juggling? You mentioned like the cognitive load. Is is looking at something on paper and then also looking at something on screen, is it overload? No, actually, if you can have two separate devices, that makes it easier because then they aren't having to remember where it is and they can easily look from the question on the screen to their book and back. So they're not having to rely on their working memory to remember what the question was. They can go back and look at exactly what the question is. They're more likely to have accurate answers that way. And it's similar to, you know, if you're working and you have a second monitor and you're able to have, um, you know, when I'm working on writing a manuscript, I'll have my results up on one monitor and my, um, Microsoft Word document where I'm typing out everything on another. And then I can look back and forth without having to exhaust my cognitive resources, trying to remember what was that p-value for that one finding. And then I can focus more on the meaning, meaning making. I've heard some parents voice concerns about, you know, their, their students' academic performance drastically declining or noticeably declining with this quick shift to more digital reading and online learning. What, what would you say to parents that are kind of navigating those waters? I would say in general, we have seen huge, uh, a lot of times it's called the pandemic learning loss or the COVID learning loss or the, um, learning delays or missed learning opportunity. There's lots of names for it, but this is something that is systemic. We're seeing that throughout educational systems, throughout the world, um, if you look at test scores, which aren't the best measure, but if you think of them as kind of a rough and dirty estimate of a child's learning, you'll see that across the board, people took huge hits. And I wouldn't blame or credit or say it necessarily has to do with the fact alone that they're now reading from digital devices. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's that nobody had the time to prepare to adequately provide instruction virtually. It was thrown together at the last minute. There were a lot of of days of schools that were just canceled. I know that looking back at spring 2020, I would say there's at least two weeks where we just had nothing because it was time to prep and then they ended up ending the school year early. Um, There's issues where kids were having to learn independently. Uh, It could be confusing what the deadlines were. It was confusing what they wanted to do. I mean, I teach online. I've taught online for many years and I was getting so stressed out trying to figure out how to submit my daughter's homework. I'm like, this is second grade homework. I'm not understanding the instructions, first of all. And it was a reading assignment. (laughs) 
I'm like, I don't get this. And I, and I spent quite a while trying to help my daughter and it was not the content. It was logistically, this doesn't make sense as far as what they're asking her to do and how she's supposed to submit it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I wouldn't say it was so much the use of digital devices as the rapid shift without time to learn them. Uh, I know that my daughter's school ended up temporarily shutting down for a month and only going virtual in fall of 2020. And that went so much better. It was so much more organized. Everything was so clear because they had time to prepare. And also my daughter had been taught how to use her Chromebook. And they even did things in class like practice Zoom class. So even though they were in the building, they made sure to log on and practice and learn how to type and all of those things. Yeah. yeah. Those made huge differences. I think that kind of brings me back to something you mentioned earlier is being able to use some of the functions of an e-reader or the functions that are offered by digital reading, those really bring a lot of added value, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I think when it comes to education, you know, for teachers to know how to use those tools and to teach students to use those tools, that's really what's going to be a game changer. Would, yes. would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, we talk about digital devices as tools that we need to learn. Well, kids had to learn how to use paper and pencil too. Like we're, we don't come into the world knowing how to hold a book. Like that is something that you learn growing up in a literacy rich environment is even the basics of how to hold a book, how to turn the pages, when to start reading. You don't need to read all the publisher information at the beginning. You skip ahead to the part where, you know, the uh, actual story or the, the text begins. So if you think about digital devices in the same way of like kids need to learn how to, how do you hold them? How do you use them? How do you check your comprehension? It's, yeah, it's ultimately any kind of reading involves technology, whether that technology is paper or that technology is a screen. Just another tool to keep in mind is audiobooks. Uh, those are a great tool, especially with reluctant readers, to get kids to work on their comprehension skills, especially if maybe they get frustrated with decoding or they have a hard time just sitting down and reading, like learning to starting to play audiobooks when you're driving in the car or, you know, having them on. Um, my daughter actually likes to listen to an audiobook and take a bath. <laughs> <laughs> which makes me so happy um, that that is another advantage is a lot of times you can easily download an audiobook on screen devices and play them or also have the child listen to the audio while they read the text to have both modalities help keep them engaged and really bolster their their language skills. And didn't I read some of your recent research indicated that comprehension between audio and yes. visual is really no different is that yes uh reading and listening are very comparable um the big driving factor i found was uh pacing because reading is naturally going to be self-paced whereas listening historically has been the pace has been set by the speaker mm. um and if you look at 
pacing, that's the biggest determinant of when reading is more helpful than listening. So nowadays, dev devices have ways where you can adjust the speed of the audiobook. And um, apparently with things like Audible, you can even have bookmarks and go back to things so you can reference back to certain information. Uh, but, you know, in general, like language skills are language skills. You know, there's, there's some differences on the front end versus when you're talking about decoding versus phonological processing with listening. But the whole comprehension process that goes on in your brain, the connecting of ideas, that's a similar process with listening comprehension and reading comprehension. So however you're getting your child immersed in language and practicing language skills is, is good. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing some of your expertise. You're welcome. Thanks so much for inviting me. Parents, thanks for listening in. A new episode of the Navigating Your Child's Education podcast is published on the first and third Wednesday of each month. Make sure to like and subscribe so the latest episode automatically appears in your preferred podcast library.